So economists have been predicting this recession for God knows how long. And ever since, it seems like we've been bombarded with news about increases to everything from interest rates to grocery prices. But you may want to listen to this podcast episode to understand what I mean when I say that times of economic recession can actually be profitable. But what do I know? Girl, shrimp? Shrimp is a delicacy now. (laughs) Trust me. Listen, you just have to kind of take in, and I'm making it very light and funny, um, just so that you guys can all digest this. But the thing is, sometimes you'll have to fry some dumplings. Like, listen, I'm African, so when my mom says, why are you buying, there's rice at home. There's rice at home. (laughs) (laughs) There's rice at home. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. We're back. It's another Wednesday. And so, you know, we're here with some amazing, meaningful conversation to get you through the rest of this week. So before we go any further, if this is your first time tuning in and listening to this podcast, thank you for stopping by. Thank you for checking out this podcast episode. You know, I definitely hope you stick around and listen to the full episode because I know you're going to enjoy it. You're definitely going to take some things away. But if this is your first time, you know, please make sure that you are subscribed on whatever streaming platform it is that you use to listen to this podcast, especially if that is Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It just helps, you know, helps to tell the algorithms, hey, I'm enjoying this episode. Please share this with other potential listeners. So, you know, thank you for doing that. As well, you know, you can stay in touch with us on our social media platforms at BWDIK Podcast. This is on Twitter, Instagram, and we're also getting, you know, we're finding our groove on TikTok as well. If you've already done those things, you're already in the know, you're already part of our community. Thank you so much for for being here, for continuously listening and um, keep an eye out. We're going to be launching some more community-based stuff next year some newsletters, fingers crossed, an in-person event. Like I'm really excited to sort of take this from URL to IRL. So stay tuned for all those lovely things. Also, one more announcement before we get into our clue segment for this episode. I just want to let you know that this will be the final episode for this year, not for the season. I will. I'm thinking I'm going to give you all some episodes for season three early next year. I'm working on that. But your girl is trying to finish up the year strong with her nine to five job. I have a vacation coming up. Your girl's going to Mexico. Uh, I'm just, you know, trying to rest. I want to be healthy. I want to go on vacation and I want to just end up the year <laughs> in one piece, honestly. So with that being said, this will be the final episode for this year. But, you know, you know where I am. You know how to connect with us at BWDIK Podcast. And we'll be here next year continuing off the season and then getting into season four um you know so with that being said you all have a great holiday have a wonderful safe holiday enjoy it stay safe 
spend time with your family eat some good food um and yeah stay connected definitely gonna be back in the new year so yeah all right so now that we've got that out of the way we can go ahead and get into our current segment for this episode Right, so for our clone segment for this episode, we're starting things a little differently. So we normally start off with, you know, some political or current affairs news. And we are starting with some news, but this is slightly different news. Um, this is something that you may have seen on, you know, the Twitter feed, your Instagram feed, Instagram stories. The story has sort of, you know, um, become more and more popular the last, I want to say, week or so. And it's just very alarming, for lack of a better word. And I thought I would share it here just to sort of summarize where the story is at right now and um, sort of provide an update and so that you all can, you know, read about it, keep yourself updated and follow up on the story. So this has to do with the murder of Shanquilla Robinson. So Shanquilla Robinson on October 28, 2022, and Shanquilla was 25, by the way. So 25 year old flew to Cabo, Mexico from North Carolina in the U.S., to meet friends. This was a trip with friends in Mexico, turn up, turn up type situation. We're going to have a good time, right? She ends up being found dead in the vacation rental the next day. Okay. And the group of friends in which Shanquilla had traveled with or traveled to meet, however, you know, they ended up organizing their plans, claimed that Shanquilla had died of alcohol poisoning and convinced Shanquilla's parents that Shanquilla had died of alcohol poisoning. Well, <laughs> an official autopsy from the Mexican government, because at first, from what I was reading and from what I understand, the Mexican um, government and officials were a little reluctant to also investigate this case because they were also under the assumption that Shakula had died of alcohol poisoning. And that was that. But Shakula's parents were not convinced. They were like, no, we got to dig deeper into this. This is not something's something's off. Something is off here. And so an official autopsy found that, no, Shankula Robinson did not die of alcohol poisoning. The cause of death was due to a broken neck and a severely cracked vertebrae. Hence, the video being passed around of Shankula Robinson being beat up naked in her vacation rental. When I saw that video, um, firstly, I don't know who leaked the video, who how they got their hands on it, who sold it to who or what blog. Um, I've also heard some some different uh, stories and statements that Shankilla's parents actually wanted that video to go around because now it's gone the attention that this case deserves. And it's a little hard for me to agree and say, yeah, like so happy that the video got passed around because now the FBI is investigating it. Like it's a little hard for me to say that. And if that's the case, if that was the intent of Shakula's parents, I understand. But that video is very hard to watch. It's very alarming that someone goes on vacation with a group of friends, someone that you thought you could trust. It's just really alarming more than anything. Um, I just thought I would share that. I'm sure if you listen to this, you've probably already heard about the story, but I just wanted to share that. The good news is the FBI is investigating it. I believe the Mexican government and officials have reopened the case and are also investigating it. And so Hopefully we can get some much needed justice for Shaquilla Robinson because this is literally outrageous. Anyway, rest in peace to Shaquilla Robinson, honestly. Whew. 
All right, we're going to try and pick it up, y'all. Um, next, we're going to talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So this is Black Panther number two. I did mention in the previous episode that I was going to watch it and I was going to talk about it briefly. And so I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was long, <laughs> just about three hours long, but I really enjoyed it. I thought the introduction of a new group of, you know, native indigens um, based underwater was really cool. So, you know, you had the Wakandans and land, you had this other group underwater, and then you also had the U.S. government and just the fight for vibranium and the different parts of the world and stuff. I think it's really interesting. And it kind of felt like this movie was an in-between movie. It's set up really well so that Black Panther number three, Wakanda forever, ever, <laughs> can go in any direction right especially if you watch it to the very end you know that um Chadwick's character has a son now so you know well I'm excited to see where it goes but um I thought it was a really good movie to sort of set up the next movie or set of movies um in this sort of franchise so I was really happy with it it was long but it kept me engaged I enjoyed the scenery and just the whole honestly the whole theme of like Afrofuturism. I love that for us as an African. I love it. So if you haven't watched it yet, go ahead and watch Black Panther Wakanda Forever. All right. So next up, we're going to talk music. Um, and so, so a lot of good music has been, you know, been released and has been dropping lately. Really been enjoying some projects. So just two I want to highlight for this episode. Uh, WizKids More Love Less Ego project dropped. And I think that following Made in Lagos, it was definitely going to be hard to beat that album. Like Made in Lagos is such a uh, such a really good project. The songs flowed nicely. It was so cohesive. It told a story and it was just a vibe. But More Love, Less Ego does feel like an extension of Made in Lagos. It feels like a similar type of vibe, similar collaborations. You know, we have uh, Skepta on the album again. We have Skillabang, Shansia on the project, um, which is a really good song that I'm liking. I like Wow with Skepta and Naira Marley. I don't even like Naira Marley, but he actually sounded not so bad on this song. So I enjoyed it. And then another project that I'm getting into, and I haven't finished listening to this one yet, so I won't be able to give a full review until the next time y'all hear from me. <laughs> but Stormzy's new album, This Is What I Mean. Listening to this album so far, it sounds like Stormzy is in such a good place in life. And I love that for him. <laughs> Sounded like I know the man, but I just love that for him. The musicality is definitely different than his previous project. Hide and Seek. I love it. And so, of course, that's going to be our song of the week for this week. But I'm really enjoying the cohesion, the story that he's telling and this vibe. I feel like we're seeing a softer side of Stormzy. Yeah, I feel like we're seeing a softer, more vulnerable, that's the word, more vulnerable side to Stormzy. So we're going to go ahead and get into this song. This is Hide and Seek by Stormzy. It's on the album. This is what I mean. And so these other artists were not directly credited. If you look on, you know, Spotify or Apple Music, you wouldn't be able to see their names. So I had to go and search and check. But the song actually features vocals from Ayana. She's a UK R&B singer, songwriter, Oxlade, Nigerian artist. Tenny as well. There's some vocals by Tenny on there. And then Thames also is credited as a writer on the song as well. So let's go ahead and check out Hide and Seek. What's it gonna be? What we gonna do? Here we go again. This ain't nothing new. I ain't trying to run game, but it's true. Cause you you call me for help. You gotta chill. Need time for yourself. You gotta heal. 
This ain't something you felt, it's how you feel. You came and you made me feel. Uh, we built this all wrong, I'll take blame, but instead of us tearing it down, we'll rearrange, baby. Don't Don't let it fall, girl. Don't let it fall. Uh. So my favorite part of the song is the hook because it's just so catchy like oh girl you shining like mm, it's just I love it it's so smooth it's vibey listen to this while you're getting ready but you can also listen to this when you want to think and be introspective about life like very versatile track (laughs) but yeah so y'all go ahead and check out hide and seek but also check out the full project this is what i mean by stormzy anywhere you can find music this project i'm sure it's on there all right time for us to get into our main segment for this episode We are continuing our financial-related conversation from our previous episode. We're going to end off November. And this time we're going to be talking about recession and how to recession-proof ourselves. You know, with the holidays around the corner, we're trying to curb our spending. (laughs) We're trying to make the best of all the sales. We're trying to save to avoid the January blues. Prices are also increasing. There's a recession looming or some say we're already in it. So... There's a lot going on. How do we sort of navigate this? You know, so here is the conversation to sort of help us do just that. So let's go ahead and get into our main segment for this episode. So for our main segment for this episode, we are continuing our financial related conversations. So on our previous episode, we had a conversation with Shay Myers of Finance for the Culture on, you know, uh, sort of building and preparing yourself and setting your financial foundation. So on this episode, we're going to take that conversation further and we're actually going to talk about something that, you know, people have been contemplating, predicting, having conversations about. We're going to talk about this looming recession that everyone is predicting um and so to join us today and having this conversation we have ebony ledford um ebony is a <laughs> she is a public speaker she's a financial professional and she's also an entrepreneur so ebony welcome to the podcast i'm so excited to have you thank you i'm so excited to be here yeah no honestly um you just did a live recently talking about this You've shared a couple of posts on Instagram where you sort of get into, you know, preparing ourselves for the recession. So I was like, mm, need to hit up Ebony. Let's talk <laughs> about this. <laughs> so we're going to start off with, you know, just your journey overall. How did you find yourself in this space of being, you know, a financial professional as well as an entrepreneur and how that sort of goes hand in hand? Like, how's that journey been? So, um, I always tell the same story. So if you've heard it before, I'm sorry. But honestly, I got into becoming a financial professional because I was struggling with my own finances. 
And I really just wanted to understand how I could live my optimal life, um, which was just doing the things that I wanted to do and purchasing the things that I wanted without worrying about the decisions I was making. And I feel like most Canadians are there where it's like, I wouldn't mind doing this, going here, traveling the world, but generally speaking, we can't do it without some sort of regret or trade-off. It kind of feels like everything was a sacrifice. And I decided I didn't want to have to make a sacrifice. I just wanted to live. Um, and so that led me to learn about money and how it works and um, what I needed to do to grow my money, um, which I think is really important as well. Um, and so I talked about this actually on a live yesterday, uh, the come up, right? Like, so once I learned about money, I was kind of disappointed because um, I had been taught some things, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't what I learned. Basically, imagine somebody said, if you had just learned this two years earlier, you'd be rich, you know? And so it was very disappointing because I felt like I was very educated and I realized that there is a huge um, disparity in who gets access to what information. And of course, the gem in that is some people might think, well, come on, we've got the internet. It's true. You could self-diagnose yourself with all sorts of things, which means that you can self-diagnose yourself financially. But the difference is, uh, and the huge disparity is, the fact that some communities get all of that delivered to their door, whereas we have to go out, find it, dissect it, and then figure out how to apply it. Um, so the come up has really just been for me taking what I've learned. Um, I'm a licensed financial professional and really just focusing on educating. Um, educating in a way that's not mansplaining because we know that the financial industry is predominantly men. And it's also not like just blah, because sometimes I would sit in the bank and they'd say things to intentionally make me feel like I'm stupid. Right. So then you leave and you're like, did I make the right decision? What did I do? Um, so I educate so people don't have that feeling so that People don't feel like finance is overly complicated. I believe in breaking it down. I call it timbit sizing, taking the whole donut and making these little donut holes, as Americans would call. Um, and so my journey so far is really just investing in the community, investing with that financial literacy and that education. Hmm, OK, I really like it. And I like the piece about, you know, explaining, but without the blah or the mansplaining, because I think... Yes. I think that's what a lot of like fight the finance space before I want to say a few years ago has been. Mm -hmm. It was very. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Da -da -da -da. And it was very like numbers. And we're not all econo economists. We're not all, exactly. you know, we don't all have financial backgrounds. So I think I really like where we are in right now, where it's like, OK, I can get on Instagram and follow a reputable page. Mm -hmm. And trust the information that I'm getting. And it's like bite size, like you said, Timbit size, and it's understandable. And then I can connect with the professional after, you know? So I feel like I'm Absolutely. really, really liking the, the the sort of space that we're in right now when it comes to finance. Um, so I guess for my next question for you, you know, here on the podcast, the But What Do I Know podcast, we like to explore, you know, but what do I know moments we call them? And, you know, these are moments of, you know, doubt or hesitation where you thought to yourself, like, but what do I know about any facet of life? Um, and so <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, if you had any, but what do I know moments, you know, throughout your journey and how you overcame them? Um, I have had a couple. <laughs> so in the very beginning portion of my journey, 
But what do I know was you thought you know everything about finance. I was saving a lot. I was spending a lot. But I thought that I was really on top of everything. And then I had the, but what do I know moment when I learned that I wasn't on top of my stuff. Um, I was actually falling into debt and I was basically telling myself, it's not that bad, but it was bad. <laughs> um, so that was about what do I know moment. Um, another, but what do I know moment was, um, when I first started my business and my career, I really thought that the community would be overjoyed, mm. extremely welcoming. Cause I'm like, come on. I noticed the disparity. I'm here to solve the problem. You win. I win. We all win. We're excited. And then I stay over for like curry goat and oxtail and everything. It was not like that. <laughs> um, it was not like that at all. I found that my assumption of just being welcomed with open arms, um, it was almost like a facade. Like it was kind of like Cinderella. It was a dream because as soon as I got out there, I was licensed. I was excited. Um, our community was kind of like, no, no, you don't. Um, it's because I wasn't the norm. Um, I was young at the time. I started my business at like 21, 22. Um, I'm a young black female and that was a huge, but what do I know moment? Because it almost felt like, well, you're not quite qualified to know what you know. So even if it makes sense, no, mm. I felt, I, I felt like, uh, an air duct cleaning, you know, then they call you and they're like air duct and you just hang up. It was like that from the community. And so it was a huge adjustment um, and learning curve for me because it really showed me one. Um, I knew a lot, but I had to assert myself as an expert in the space. Um, that way, if I go out and people are like, yeah, but I still don't really think that you know much. I'm okay with it because I'm like, yeah, I left you with everything. And you, I know whether you like it or not, you took something. Um, but yeah, in the very beginning moments of that, I was almost like, do you really know anything? <laughs> yeah. And that feeling, it can be crushing because you're like, I know my stuff. Why aren't they accepting me with open arms? Like, why aren't mm -hmm. they? Like you said, you know, it's like I'd, I explain to you, you know, my, the, the services. I share this knowledge that I have. You gain the knowledge. I gain some money and we yeah. both win. But um, yeah, no, you're right. And I think that's the hardest part about sometimes with business is like navigating when you think that you have a niche or you have a particular community and culture yes. that you want to serve and then they don't, you know, completely welcome you. It's like, damn, well, yes. now I got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So recession talks, let's get into that. Um, whew, so they've been predicting this recession for Lord knows what, like months now. And um, mm -hmm. I recently saw, I can't believe, I can't remember, sorry, what publication it was. But um, it was a news publication and they had confirmed that the United States did have two consecutive quarters of, you know, shrinking GDP, which is your gross domestic product. Mm -hmm. um, and so that meant that from like the theoretical terms, they were in a recession. And Absolutely. we know that, you know, what, whatever happens to the U.S., it doesn't take long for us to follow suit because of how tied a lot of our industries are. Right. Mm -hmm. So. What is a recession, girl, in like, you know, layman's terms? Like we know the, the economist definition, but what is a recession and what are some signs that, you know, like the everyday person can sort of say like, mm, okay, yeah, a recession's coming. Like, what would you say? So I would say um, by definition, it's exactly what you described. Those two declining consecutive quarters in GDP, 
Um, but technically, um, what makes this recession odd is that it defies definition. And so technically, based on that definition, we've already been in a recession. Um, when we were all on lockdown, going crazy, gaining weight and binge watching Netflix till there was nothing left to binge, we were in a recession, right? Because there was no growth in the GDP. And that was pretty much globally. Actually, not pretty much. That was globally. But at the time, nobody really said, hey, we're in a recession. I think because there was so much fear, um, angst in communities that they didn't bother throw anything else on top of us. I think they were like, if we say this word, that's it. Everybody's going to lose their minds. Um, and so that is what it is by definition. But in layman's term, what I like to define a recession as is a mass correction. Um, and so generally some signs that you can see we're going into a recession or we're in a recession, one, cost of living. So as soon as things started to open and people were like, yes, life is back to normal, um, buying milk, cheese, and some dry noodles came to like 40 bucks. And I remember seeing on social media, people saying like, I'm spending too much on like three items and I shop at Walmart. So what's, what's happening? Um, so there's that. Um, the other thing is, and people don't speak to it too much, but gas. Now, believe it or not, um, inflation, um, inflation represents the increase in the cost of goods, also mm -hmm. the cost of services. But in Canada, we do not include the cost of gas, which is very weird. And so in Canada, you have two, sometimes three different types of inflation percentages. Um, gas is a big marker of a recession, the cost of oil. Um, and so we can see that there was obviously Russia, Ukraine plays a big role into what was happening with gas. Um, but the problem and the reason that you can tell that ties into recession talk is most people didn't even realize that would impact us. Canada mm. has their own oil <laughs> and we were tremendously impacted. Um, Canadian stocks were tremendously impacted as well. Um, so that's another thing, the cost of gas and oil, um, and then the stock market which is generally where a lot of people like to look. And um, I like to say there's a correction that happens every so often. Your stock market kind of goes like this, like it's a roller coaster. But you know, when you get to the top of, you know, Leviathan or uh, I don't know any American rides, but you know, like you're at the top of the ride and your heart's pumping and you look down and you go straight down 90 degrees. That is recession <laughs> when things just start to drop. Another marker of recession is also um, is a decline in things like employment, availability and jobs. Now, earlier I'm. Mm, OK, sorry. <laughs> I wanted to sort of just stop you right there because I know some people have been debating on the Twitter streets that. Yes, we're in a recession, but we might not be in a recession because employment is still high for certain industries. Like I know my industry in my nine to five. My industry, they're still like, I'm still seeing like on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. recruiters are still reaching out to me. Some aspects of the media industry, there's still opportunities. So yes. yeah, let's get into that. Is the employment playing a big playing a big factor this time around or not so much? So that's what makes, I sit on these calls. Um, I like to say I sit on these calls with, you know, the, the norm, right? The wealthy white male who we generally, most of our communities are like, speak, let us know what's happening. And I... They're like, I don't really know. There's a lot of guessing and speculating. 
Um, the way that I describe this, okay, Chid, so you know when you're on a plane and you're finally about to land and you're about to get on the tarmac and the plane feels like it's going a bit fast and you touch the ground and the wheels land and you like jerk and you're kind of mm-hmm. like, the wheel's going to, is it what's going to happen? The wheel's going to break? Are we, are we crashing? That is this recession. We mm. know we're landing. We know that we're in a correction. So it's there's no debate. Look at the markets. Utilities are down. Fixed income is down. Um, like the safe things are underperforming. The mm. uh, sexy things are underperforming. The only thing you can bet on right now is money market fund. Cryptocurrency is like, if you aren't in it for the long haul, you're going nuts. Like everything is kind of telling us that we're trending towards a recession, but it defies definition, this particular recession, just because there is no steep decline in consumer demand. People are ordering Uber Eats, Amazon, like crazy. I think now that we came out the pandemic, we're like, this is a norm. I feel like tea, Uber Eats, you know? So we're big consumers right now. Um, Like you said, in some sectors, there's been no adjustments or changes in jobs. In fact, some jobs are growing. But here is what I find interesting. The great resignation. Now, even though there's open jobs, we have to remember that there was the great resignation, which means people don't want those jobs. They left them. They said, uh, bye-bye. I have rights and I, I deserve more than this. And so while there's still um, a need, a demand for jobs and employees, we have to factor in that the opposite has happened, that some people have decided that they no longer want those jobs, which poses almost the same challenge as to when employers are like, we've got to cut you. Um, Another big thing that I have to bring up, Shopify. Mm, Shopify. What's going on with them? Um, Huge layoff. Like Oh, yes, yes, yes. Shopify, Simple. And that actually kind of shocked me because, you know, tech is supposed to be very booming, yes. reliable. And I noticed a lot of fintech companies were hit. And of yes. course, whenever they're layoffs, your HR recruiting team is the first to go. So I was seeing a lot of a lot of layoffs, a lot of restructuring. So, yeah, no, you're right. My eyes are open with this unemployment yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep your eyes open. And I think the surprising thing was like Shopify. Shopify didn't decline quarter over quarter. Another example was Salesforce. In the Mm. pandemic, Salesforce had great economic growth quarter over quarter, and they still cut their field force. And so some people are making rash decisions, whether it's to keep bank, um, because companies have to think about their bottom line. I don't know. We'll get that's another conversation why the air quotes, but we'll get into it another time. Um, And then on the other side of that is for the, uh, sectors and the companies that are hiring, it's almost very hard to hire anybody. We've set higher expectations on how much we want to make, how much time we want to have, time off. And the remote work. I mean, if you're not offering remote, what are you doing? Like Exactly. And so now we've created. And so I think that's why Twitter's going back and forth because are we really I was talking to my boyfriend and he said, come on, are we really jobs? (laughs) But it's like, if there's nobody to take the jobs, there's still a lack of demand, but on the other side. And so this is a very new issue and a very new type of recession because it uh, defies definition, Mm. which is why it leaves so, so many people uneasy. Right? Oh, Mm. okay. That makes a lot of sense. Like the fact that you said it's a new type of recession, because yeah, like, you know, we're going back and forth. We're like, but there's still employment people are still hiring 
That's a good point. It definitely <laughs> defies definition because oh yeah, I remember like things started opening. People are asking us to go back to the office. Things seem like they're booming. And I'm here like, so why are you guys talking about a recession? Like, come on. Yeah. But, but that makes a lot of sense. So then let's get into the impact, right? Because I think growing up, we might have been well, I know I was. I was too young to understand the impacts of the 2008 recession, right? And Same. And just the magnitude of it. Like, people still talk about that recession. Like, I remember even when Obama was about to be president, everyone was sweating for him. Like, man, he's, he's inheriting the worst economy, da-da-da-da. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think at that time, it was really hard to understand. And I was also, like, a really new immigrant, all that stuff. So... Now, as we're, you know, navigating adulthood, we're now understanding like, okay, I got to think about job security. I got to think about my business. I got to think about this. Got to think about that. Do I have a mortgage? So, and I know some people may be like, well, why should I be concerned about a recession? So Ebony, let's tell them, why should they be concerned (laughs) about a looming recession? Okay. So let's go back to my example. Right. You're about to land on the tarmac Mm -hmm. and you're excited because your trip has run a little bit long and you just want to get home to your own bed. And you know that you're going to land, but you're not sure how aggressively you're going to land. You can Mm -hmm. land and you can jerk and it's nerve wracking, or you can land and it's extremely smooth. Um, This recession in particular is a little bit different and it's more unnerving because we don't know what the land will be like. We don't know if this is a recession that will go into a borderline depression. Um, How long will it last? So I'm not a I can't stand politics, but you can't avoid it. And so one thing that I have to say that also adds to the danger or the aggressiveness of this recession is the fact that there is an American um, presidency election that will come up for 2024. And so when this hits politically, the best bet is to drag it on until there's a savior who can clean it up. Um, Mm. And so there's some uncertainty with how long it's going to last. Um, we don't really want the jobs right now based on what the field force is saying, but when we need the jobs, will they still be there? Um, that's a question. Um, in an, in a recession, everybody's trying to cover their butts. Okay. Think about, you know, when, um, kids are playing and they make a mess and everybody says, I can do it. This is what happens in a recession. The banks are trying to keep their money. Right. And so right now, uh, many people listening, especially Canadians have probably already received offers. We'll give you 45,000, 50,000. You just paid off your credit card. We'll up it by 10 grand. Mm. And you'd be thinking if we're in a recession and then the the fear is that we're not going to have any money, why is the bank giving us so much money? Well, because that's the way that the bank invests because they're counting on you, Chid, not to make your payments. You know, they don't want you to pay it off all on time because you're going to keep paying them forever. Right. (laughs) You know? And so that's one thing. An effect of that is, like you said, if you have a mortgage and Bank of Canada says, we're just going to raise the rate by 1%. The problem that I'm seeing, and this is, um, I say this and it's because I'm super real, but as bad as people want to purchase real estate, I always say, don't rush. It's just like your first love. Don't rush because there's a (laughs) lot of people I see, right, where they have the property but they couldn't technically afford it. The only yeah. reason why they could afford it was because the interest rates were the abnormally low, low at that time. But now that exactly. they're high and for those people who got the mortgages with the variable rates and it's just, yes. Yes. good luck to you. I'm waiting. <laughs> Listen, 45% of Canadians said that if Bank of Canada continues to raise the interest rates, they will have to sell. 
They cannot afford their mortgages. Um, We already have a cash flow issue in Canada for the most of us, right? The majority of Canadians, that being the middle class, we're spending, if not more, everything that we make. Okay. Some of us are responsible and that goes to some savings. But generally speaking, when you have a mortgage, there's no saving. Yeah. You have your mortgage, you have your expenses, and there's very little flexibility. So raise the interest once, darn you, but I can afford it. Raise it twice, raise it three times, I can no longer afford it. And then people will have to make the tough decision. And that's why you're waiting. It sounds, people will say that's not a good thing to say, but people are going to be waiting because people will have two choices. The bank sells your place or you sell it. And as we transition, so another sign of a recession is housing market. Okay, because not that they're always aligned, because there are times we're in a market correction and the housing market's still performing really well. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes this recession. I think that this this uh, episode is going to go down in history, and like our kids it are going to listen to it one day, and they'd be like, "That's what my history book said too." Um, this recession, it's 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 going to be strong um, wow. in that the housing market is also changing; it's correcting itself with the regular stock market. And so we've seen now a transition into a buyer's market. However, here in Toronto, where houses are insanely know, priced, you now? insanely now priced, like you're listening to the radio and they're like, come to Alberta. Alberta like music ads play. all over the TTC. I Listen, said, I'm ready to pack my things. <laughs> everything is so expensive. And so even with us being in a buyer's market, we still see the prices are high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's an imbalance. Um, and so that's a big thing. We'll have to depend on those people who sell their homes for lower prices because they can't afford their mortgages. Um, another challenge or opportunity. Okay. I'll get to opportunities after I'm getting too excited. (laughs) Um, so these are some things that you'll fear for. Uh, Another thing is everybody tends to get raises at the end of the year or throughout the year. Um, some people get a bonus. If you don't be part of that great resignation and find somewhere that will give you that. But the problem is most people don't have raises that are going at pace with inflation. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Huge problem. Technically, every time inflation goes up, you're making less money. And you don't yeah. even realize it because you see, well, I make, you know, an extra 50 bucks on my paycheck. Um, but really, you're not making an extra 50 bucks. You're losing 100 because it costs $10 to buy that broccoli you just bought, especially if you're trying to treat yourself good and you bought organic. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things factor in because we're losing money if we're not making raises um, or increasing our money, that being from um, passive or active sources of income, our investments, um, even equity in our home. Inflation is over 8%, including gas. <sighs> Most people Ooh. get like a 1%, 2% raise. Yeah. And yeah. so if we think about <laughs> compound interest, I know you said Shay was here. Right. Shay definitely talked about compounding interest. Mm -hmm. Think about compounding interest when year over year inflation was at three, five percent. Now it's at eight. And year over year, you've been making less of an increase than inflation. So you're not just playing catch up for this year. You're playing catch up for the last five years, which means you're losing a lot. You're losing so so much. Recession is this is what makes people nervous about a recession. But I didn't want to come on here to make people nervous. Girl, I'm um, getting I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to give hope, okay? Because a recession also is a point of opportunity. I remember mm. I went to this event once and I heard um, this guy speak, this Filipino guy. He, he's hilarious. He's like, a, 
geek. He's like, I rap, I do business, I'm everything, you know? And he told me, um, first recession, 2001, he was broke. He said, forget about it. I was broke. I didn't capitalize. I was broke. Mm. Then he said 2008 came and he had some money. But it wasn't enough because the thing is, capital is everything, right? So he had some money and he, he basically preached. He said that, I understand, every seven to 10 years, some investors, day traders will say seven to 11, some will say seven to 12, but we're going to say seven to 10 years, there's a correction. Whether it's COVID-19, mm. COVID-33, whether it's a recession, there's always going to be something that pushes us into this GDP decline that then leads to a recession. Um, I'm not going to say it has to happen, but it has to happen. Look historically. So he said, I told myself that every seven to 10 years, I'll have it. And so for some people, you're thinking, well, I, don't, I ain't got it. I ain't got it this time around. But um, here's what the opportunity is. If you have some money to save, to invest, to apply the steps that Shay spoke about when she was here, this is the best time. A recession is like the biggest shoe sale. For all my people that love food, imagine that you are walking past your favorite restaurant and they just said, I just made fresh food, everything's 50% off. You would eat until they roll you out, okay? Think about all my friends that love their designer. If Louis said, come on in, 75% off, I don't even know. You'd be like, uh, get the car, <laughs> right? You'd be, so this is the same thing that's happening in the market. And so just like we would get excited for anything else, you walk into a store, it's 50% off, 70% off, closing sale, you get excited. Okay, but when it happens to the market, you get nervous. Now there's still risk. Anytime that there's a sale, there's always risk, right? So let's think about something um, like Black Friday. There's risk. There's risk that you'll buy and it'll go lower. There's risk that you don't buy and it'll go higher. There's risk that you'll spend your money and you really didn't even need the thing and now you can't return it because it's final sale. It's the same with a recession. There's risk that you're below the rate of inflation. There's risk that you may lose a job, uh, which we hedge against with an emergency fund. There is a risk, right, that you may actually just struggle with paying a mortgage or keeping up with your debts. But the upside is greater than the risk because if you're able to capitalize on the market, start investing in things and not just anything, not like GameStop, not Bitcoin, just because people say to do it. Like, I'm not saying that Bitcoin's a good investment, but do it because you've researched it and you see the value, not because somebody on Instagram said, go do this. So if you do that and you make smart investments, then what will happen is once we start to come up from this correction, you're laughing. And so what they say is millionaires are birthed in recessions. Why? Because they know this information. Now, this also draws me to go back to the community disparity. Like you said, 2008, um, I just remember like going through school and everything being cool. Like maybe I ate more bully beef than normal, but it, you know, like that was to me like, okay, bully beef, bully beef again. Okay. Great. It didn't hit, you know, and because, that's because we're so young. And I think because our parents did a really good job of not yeah. struggling publicly. Yeah. Or they did a really good job of not struggling at all through that time. Mm -hmm. But 2008 was rough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so if we think about that um, and we think about down trickling down into community, how did it impact our communities versus other communities? 
sitting and waiting like mwahaha and investing money to build wealth for us or was the other community doing that and so um this comes back down to what we were taught and what we want to learn because this mm. is a huge opportunity to build wealth even where wealth isn't possible let's say hypothetically you're sitting on this call and you say like ebony and shit i have 200 to my name it's 200 mm. it's sitting in an account earning 0.02 percent shade but yes that's what it's earning and that's all you've got well if you were to invest that right now on something that's 50 70 percent off that has a good track record and you just left it there. Let's say you left it there for five years. You could tremendously change what that $200 looks like versus getting nervous about what the recession will do to the 200. You can leverage the recession to catapult yourself into wealth, to have those conversations about home ownership. Um, another opportunity getting into that is, um, unfortunately- Girl, sorry, let me just- <laughs> this is good and I'm like okay I gotta do this gotta do that gotta do that and you are like getting into my next point but I'm so happy so honestly like yeah let's get into the opportunities because you're saying recession is a time where we can like mm -hmm. millionaires are birthed in a recession we should actually think about this as sort of an opportunity instead of getting nervous so let's get into it you said firstly investing in things that have a good track record when I'm investing mm -hmm. in GameStop where mm -hmm. so what should we be investing in like water apple transportation like so um, here are some things um, that I recommend. And this is coming straight off of a market call. So um, let me just preface and like protect myself legally. Yeah. Um, these, this is not me telling you to go and invest in these things. This Absolutely. is me telling you to look into these industries. Um, and so one industry is cybersecurity. Mm. As people move to remote work, eventually all jobs will have to because nobody's going to take a you come into work three, five days a week and then work one day from home. No. So cybersecurity is very important, especially during this time, which means that if you're looking in cybersecurity industries right now is the perfect time to buy in because they are impacted by the market like anything else, but they're going to grow and they're not just going to grow back to what they were. They're going to grow hugely because there's going to be such a need for cybersecurity. There's already a need right now. So that's one thing. Um, and I want to also say I would separate cybersecurity from tech. Here's why. Right. In COVID-19, tech was overvalued a lot, like really overvalued. And so we, we placed our bets there because now we're all using Zoom and people need to buy their technology and we need to, you know, pay for malware and all this stuff. And basically, we just drove the price up and then we saw a huge adjustment come January. Not saying that tech is not a good investment, but it's a long-term investment. And so you don't want to loop in cybersecurity with tech. They're two different things. Cybersecurity is a huge need. It's going to grow. Tech is a need and we're getting there. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in the industry, but don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I know mm. Shay talked about that. Diversification yep. is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing that you should look in is actually um, hazardous materials. Mm. Okay, that sounds weird. And then some people are probably thinking, bun you guy, like you're terrible for the environment. But um, there are, so companies like Tesla, Lucid, um, in order to make those green vehicles, it takes some very unique and harsh chemicals to make the batteries. And those are some very low supplies. Like right now, because of supply chain issues, that's very hard to get. Um, fun fact. Um, I believe it's Ford. Yes, it is Ford. Ford is making a big investment in electric vehicles, 
but they can't move forward with that project because they can't get this material to start to produce. And so that's something that you want to look into because long-term, where do we see the economy going green, right? Mm -hmm. And if you believe in Tesla and you can't, okay, let me rewind. Um, Shay touched on this, but I'm going to just do another in case somebody didn't hear it. Tesla is a good investment if you have capital. And so the thing about a recession is really, again, being honest with yourself. Where can I place my money that's going to bring, bring the best return for me, right? Because um, there's, if I'm talking to Chid and Chid says, yeah, I bought a full Ethereum coin, cryptocurrency. <laughs> right. I'm like, wow, you know, you bought that whole thing. And then I say, okay, because Chid said she bought Ethereum, I'm going to put 50 bucks in there. When Ethereum goes up, which it will, Chid's laughing. And I'm kind of like, <laughs> you know, because I don't even own a unit, right? Yeah, I'm like you own a fraction of it. Yes. Yeah. And so when it comes to investing, you don't just want to go with um, just what might be the best. You want to go with where does your dollar have power? So going back to this conversation, we know that companies like um, Tesla will be great. And Tesla's already doing great things in terms of, I wouldn't say it's great for the world, but great things where they're going to be basically taking consumerism out to space. That's a huge uptick in their value. But let's say you're looking at the unit price and you're like, but I only have this much in my account. Like I can only buy one unit. It means if Tesla skyrockets, you're like, you know, great, I guess. Good job, Chid, but nah, me. <laughs> Right. So then instead of doing that, why not look into who's producing the chemicals for their batteries? Um, So looking into those spaces. And then, of course, one thing that's really unique, generally people say to invest in silver. Um, Robert Mm -hmm. Kiyosaki is saying silver all the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely heard that, too. I've heard some market analysts, though, say gold. I've heard that, too. I've heard silver and gold. Silver and gold. And so you want to kind of consider those are... um, I remember back in the day when to get a gold chain, it felt like an arm and a leg. And now it's almost like normalized, like, oh, yeah, but it's it's a hot commodity. And so you really just want to look and double down in the staples. Um, Utilities are always a good investment. But right now things are rocky because everything is correcting. Um, But you want to look into sectors, energy, just take a a look at that. Of course, we can't avoid oil because Oil (laughs) is a huge staple. And right now, while it's down, think of that major shoe sale, like Mm. purchase the oil if you can. And then last but not least, um, one thing that I've been hearing a lot, I wouldn't say that it's as current because things have already opened, but really think about the travel sector, right? If we're in a great resignation, um, people want to travel. People want to live their best life. Wherever right. you see people, like talk to your friends. The friends are like, no, nah, I don't want that job. You're like, what do you, what do you want? And then when you say, when they say that, you write it down. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so investing in um, travel is great because we see that all of the airlines are now starting to really just build back their consistency. Um, and so that's great. And then again, thinking strategically, I wouldn't necessarily invest. I'm not going to finish that sentence. You may not invest in, (laughs) you may not invest in like Boeing directly, but you may invest in the person who, or the company who's engineering the things that they need to fly that plane. Mm -hmm. Um, And so consider all of those things when you're in a recession. Um, But really just take away from this that there's so many different things that you should be looking in. And 
one thing that I say is as much as I can give you, like I could even say this is the one right now, but the best investment that you're going to make during this time is going to be the investment that connects back to you. Like what is the thing that you're going to continue to buy even when things are tight? Mm. Hey, whatever that thing is, you know that thing is it. I mean, unless you're like, I'm going to buy bully beef, but maybe that's a great investment. Maybe it is. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, don't kill me. Not bully beef. Um. <laughs> so honestly, that those are really good. And I, I promise you, even while I'm editing this episode, I'm going to be like, engineering the parts that make boom, got it, da, 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 da. Um, because those some of those I hadn't thought of. Some I'm like, yep, you know, I know some some that retain their value, that stay mm-hmm. relatively at the same level or go up and don't typically have like very low valleys. Um, mm-hmm. So that's investing, right? But I think that's something else that people worry about in times of recession is the amount of, of well, income. We're worried about our jobs. Yes. We're also worried about the amount of disposable income. So like yeah. we said, you know, inflation, things have gone up in, in prices. So when I now have to pay those increased prices and pay my bills, pay my rent or my mortgage, what amount do I actually have left as, you know, my disposable income? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I find that recession, people say people typically don't spend as much. We're sort of trying to hold on to as much money as possible in recession. Do you find that? And like, what should our spending habits look like in a recession, basically, girl? <laughs> um, I think that's a great question. I feel like people probably want to spend less in a recession. I don't think that people actually do so. Mm. Because how could you, right? Everything is going up. And so what are you sacrificing? Remember that most people are spending already way more than they actually earn. So are you cutting back on the expenses that you were spending with the money that you didn't have? Um, And so it's tough, right? Because we'll make an active decision to say, okay, I'm probably not going to do this this month. But with the cost of living going up so high, it's very hard for us to actually implement. So um, one thing that's really important is an emergency fund, which is tough because I feel like we're having this conversation at a weird point. The plane's already landing, you know, (laughs) and we just don't know when it's touching down. And so one thing I would say is like, if there's one step everybody should take right after listening to this, it really should be going out to start an emergency fund. Because an emergency fund can actually help you funnel in into your income, right? It can help you kind of hedge against inflation. Um, Another practice that's really important, though, that I feel like we all struggle with is you need to adjust your budget. Okay, so like when I first knew we were going into a recession, even though it's been looming for forever, um, I was kind of looking like, "Mm, all right, you're allocating, you know, what was it like $150 for gas? Because remember in the pandemic, mans are chilling. So it's like, okay, you know, so 150, um, biweekly. So $300 a month on gas. But then I started to really look into it and I'm like, but you're spending more on gas. At this point, gas was about two, two bucks. Right. So it's like, all right, I have a choice. I can keep being delusional with myself. And that's like saying, okay, I'm only going to spend 150, but you're not going to. And so the biggest thing that we have to do, I always say is we have to take inventory. We need to stop and take a look at, okay, what did the grocery bill actually say? I know most people on the call probably, you know, and they're like, do you want your receipt? And you're like, "Mm, no, we, yeah, we need it (laughs) because we actually need to make sure that our budgets are accurate. 
So budgeting becomes extremely important during this time. Once you've completed the budget, you can actually decipher, like you said, is there any disposable income? If there's not, then what can I do? And the if there's not question, that's when it's like, I, I believe in grinding, not for anything else, but to open up cash flow. That's when you're kind of like, all right, yeah, this week, instead of rice, I'm having dumplings. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, I grew up like this. In your house, you should always have flour and rice. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you may have to adopt that flour and rice. There's no pasta. There's no shrimp. There is chicken. Girl, shrimp? Shrimp is a delicacy <laughs> now. Trust me. Listen, you just have to kind of take in, and I'm making it very light and funny, um, just so that you guys can all digest this. But the thing is, sometimes you have to fry some dumpling. Like, listen, I'm African. So when my mom says, why are you buying? <laughs> There's rice at home. There's rice at home. <laughs> <laughs> There's rice at home. And so sometimes it's cutting back. Um, and one thing I would say is, Um, This is going to play with people a little bit to decipher what's most important to you as well. Because Mm. if something's important to you, let's say I recently started buying organic. My boyfriend's like, oh my gosh, are you going to say the rice is organic? Everything's organic. And um, it's not something I'm going to trade unless the organic stuff is not looking right. And I want to get the GMO stuff because it looks better. But in the event that that's not the case, I'm not going to swap out what I think is good for my health just to make ends meet. Right. That's another factor too. Yes. And so something that you want to do in the recession, we said emergency fund, huge budgeting and constantly taking inventory of your budget and its accuracy. Um, Secondly, important. And then the other thing is in a recession. um, I think you mentioned this earlier, actually, is your business recession proof? Is your job recession proof? Um, How can you capitalize in this recession? How can you add additional income streams? Now, remember, by definition, a recession says that there ain't no jobs, but we do know that there are. And um, something that COVID-19, I I feel like COVID-19 was such a blessing in so many ways and then such a disturbance in others. It's another conversation. But one of the blessings was that virtual work became huge. We've always heard of things like digital nomads and you're kind of like, how do I do that? But now anybody can be a digital nomad. There's jobs in Alberta. There's jobs in the U.S., and you can work right here from Canada. You can work late nights, early mornings. Um, I know people that like, they're like, yeah, so on my lunch break, I just work this other job. It's based out of Winnipeg, you know? And so you want to look for those opportunities because there is a fine line between I can make it work and I can open up cash flow versus I really need to introduce an additional income stream. And I think that's where a recession becomes easier for us. It comes down to honesty with ourselves and what we need um, and doubling down on our habits. If you're not budgeting, doing that. If you know you're an overspender, eh, you might want to talk to yourself and be like, do I really need the thing? Um, And so I think that that's how we kind of navigate. And those are the most important financial things to focus on. I I did touch on investing and taking um, opportunity from this moment, but it all comes back down to those three things. Because if we can't open up additional cash flow, how can you invest? And how can you invest in a way that can change your life, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Because on the other side, and I think you were going to touch on this too, there's fears of, okay, great. I've opened up some cash flow and I can save $50 a month. But the market is negative and I'm going to be losing. Like, you know, the people are going to log on, like, refresh. (laughs) Refresh. 
I've lost money. And so that's the other side of the fear. And um, here's how I address that. When you lose money, you make big wins, but I'm not delusional. So I'm not going to say that and leave it at that. When you lose money like that, you need to have an opportunity to make more money. That Mm. way you can save some cash because um, this is not a time to play around when you need money. You can't invest in this market if you need it. If Chid says, I want to buy a house next month, you know, my neighbor's looking like they're going to have to sell, you know, like I'm watching that property right there. You don't take the down payment and invest it right now because it means that no, 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 when no, you no. need to go buy that house, the money ain't there. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Okay. And so there's a, there's a balance, right? We need mm-hmm. to focus on those three core competencies in our finances and then we can start doing other things, right? Because you right. can't be losing all your money and then at the end of the month say, darn, I needed that money and now it's not there. Right. Um, so long-term strategy, short-term strategy. And then kind of fitting that into the wheelhouse of those three key steps. That's amazing. Honestly, you've covered like so much during this conversation. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, I'm going to be taking notes while I'm editing. This has been so <laughs> great. Like I'm, I feel like I'm pretty grounded with my finances stuff, but I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, no. Because my goal next year is to like up my investing game. You know, like yes. crypto doesn't scare me anymore. I'm about to get that property by the grace of God. Like, yes. you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> so this was honestly so great. I think the only other question I have for you before we switch segments a little bit is um for the side hustlers like us that, you know, we have our nine to five. We've got our side hustles that we're hoping can become a full time hustle down the line mm-hmm. Um, for the full time entrepreneurs. Like how I guess like what are some like some some final little tips that you can offer them? Because I think there's that added pressure, especially if you're a full time entrepreneur, and you're like you're really dependent on your clients. Right. Yeah. And then if your yeah. client, if you're in an industry that's not necessarily an essential and your client comes to you and says, hey, I won't be able to afford your services anymore. That also then affects your cash flow. So mm-hmm. how do you sort of like what are some tips that you have for for that sector of people? So it's tough because um, it comes back down to that honest conversation with yourself. Right. Are you recession proof? And when I say, are you, I don't mean is your industry, right? Because we could see companies and industries that are ducking out and then see competitors in that same industry having their best quarters or their best years. Um, but it really comes down to you, right? Have you built a client base that's like, I don't care. I don't care if it's raining asteroids outside. I'm going to get my brows done from you. You know, like, have you built that clientele? And really just um, evaluating your market Mm. because I was, you know, I was actually talking to my sister recently um, and she does browse. She does browse really well, actually. And um, we were talking a little bit about audience, right? And I was saying, based on your target audience, when the recession hits, do you expect those people to come and do their brows? Right. right? And and then she says, no. No. Great. Mm. So it's that honest conversation with yourself that then makes you put in a strategy. So what does that strategy look like? As a business owner, you need an emergency fund. Um, Even if it's a side hustle or a full-time, here's why your side hustle is meant to protect you um, from your main job, protect you from wasting time, from annoyance, from stress, um, and for not being paid what you're worth. But it's also to protect you in case things don't work out there. You choose to quit or unfortunately you get laid off. But if your side hustle is now not producing, you still need an emergency fund to fund your dreams, right? Whether that's just focusing on investing on yourself, 
so that you come up better. Pivoting, right? Like what do people need? It doesn't mean that you change your business. Maybe you still offer your service or your product, but you change it, right? Instead of people coming to you um, to use all of these services and to get this thing done, maybe you go to them, right? Maybe you have like days where you're like, okay, this is a discount day. Um, and perhaps it kind of, kind of, the recession with a business owner is give and take, right? Because this whole time you've been giving and taking, and then you hope that when times get tough, they're still all there. And so your strategy just has to focus on really investing in yourself. Um, mm, okay. And this, I, I always go here too, as a business owner, side hustle or not, you need to make sure you're paying yourself because most entrepreneurs are not, which means that at a time like now, you've still been working for free. And then in the recession, now you're working for negative because in a recession, it doesn't mean you stop going hard. You're still going hard. You're marketing, you're investing in yourself, but from every dollar you make, you're still not even paying yourself. And you haven't been giving yourself raises with inflation. And so let's say that some business owners are on the call and you've been in business for three years. Ask yourself this question. It's going to seem nuts, but answer the question out loud. Don't tell anybody why you're doing it. Have you given yourself a raise year over year? Most people are going to say no. Mm-hmm. Have you paid yourself year over year? A lot of people are going to say no. And so all of these are things that we also want to take inventory of so that we can recession proof. Because recession proofing, again, it doesn't mean that you're going to make a million in the recession. It doesn't mean that you're going to have all the clients that you had, but it means that you're protecting yourself um, against any inconsistencies. The recession won't last forever. And so if you make the right investments, um, the right choices, and you have that protection stash, you're good. Okay. Okay. Listeners, I hope you all took notes. (laughs) I'm telling you, I have lots of them. I can't wait to chop this into little reels and posts because <laughs> so much was said in this episode. Like, you're going to have to listen to this. Stop, pause, listen to it again, make <laughs> notes, come back. <laughs> but um, honestly, Ebony, thank you so much for um, for this conversation. I feel like this is just one of many. I think that, you know, we might even have a future episode where we push this further. And like, as people are going through the recession, you know, maybe we do like a like a sort of like update, you know, but, uh, but thank it. you so much. Um, we're not done yet. You know, we are the Bawaduano podcast. So we have a fun little <laughs> segment at the end. And, you know, we just want to sort of end off on a light note with our guests. So I'm going to ask you four questions. And um, without thinking too hard, just give me the first answer that comes to mind. OK. OK. All right. So I asked Shay this question. And, you know, being that you guys are both in the financial sector, both financial advisors, I'm interested to know what you choose. But if you had to delete all apps on your phone, except for three. What apps are you keeping? Financial apps or any app? Any app. But I was just interested um, to ask. <laughs> Instagram, Coho. You said don't think too hard, but I'm thinking real hard right now. Instagram, Coho. <sighs> I don't know what the third one would be. If I did delete <laughs> everything. Okay, I wouldn't delete Instagram. I wouldn't delete Coho. And I wouldn't delete... Damn it. Okay, I wouldn't delete Square because that's where mm. money comes in. <laughs> it's a good one. So I was interested to ask, you know, financial advisors these, this question. And Shay chose Google Calendar to keep herself organized. <laughs> she chose the music app because she needs music. And then it was something mm. else, some other money related app. But yeah, so similar, similar. Um, okay, number two, would you describe yourself as the life of the party or a homebody? Oh, life of the party. Okay. <laughs> Even if the party's at home, like I'm here to, 
Girl said, even if the party's at home. <laughs> um, okay, so you're the life of the party, so you do go out. So when you go out and you're on the dance floor, um, what move are we hitting them with first? Um, to be honest, it's gonna be like a like a stush wine, you know? Just a nice stush wine. That's the first move. Yeah. And then when you're the, the DJ second, starts to- <laughs> You're the second Caribbean woman I've had on here that said, Yeah, I'm gonna Who give them that? a stush wine. You're the- <laughs> I think I yeah. had a psychotherapist <laughs> and like she's also the cl- the mental health clinician for the Toronto Raptors, Janelle Peters. Yes. She said, I'm giving them a stush wine. I said, wow. Yeah, you just give them a little stush wine and then when they turn off the music, then you go full out. Yeah. But start stush. <laughs> you got to start stush. Um, okay, so, you know, you we've talked about, we talked about traveling. We talked about being digital nomads and flying. So what's one place that's on your, you know, like your travel list? Like, what are you going, where are you going next? Where am I going next? Um, Ghana's on the list, but we might push it. Costa Rica might take place of Ghana and Maldives is on the list. Ooh, why is Ghana getting pushed? So if Ghana's I can be your business. <laughs> Ghana's getting pushed because, okay, one thing about me, and I think that's why people like me as a financial advisor, I'm super spontaneous, okay? So, like, um, maybe in August, September, I was like, babe, Ghana, let's go all out. And it was actually a good price. I did Ghana and Dubai for 5500 per person. But then, like, by the time it came to implement it, the cost of the flight was going up, and then he's like, yo, you yeah. don't just spring on man, it's like an $11,000 trip. You know, and yeah. I do that. He, like I did the same thing like a month before my birthday. I'm like, let's go to Greece for 10 grand. And he was like, no, no. So to do Ghana right um, and to do Dubai right so we can stay there for enough days, I'm thinking to push it a little bit later. So maybe do Afrochella 2023. Girl, I might see you there because I'm Nigerian. So I'm thinking so my family's already ah! doing Nigeria 2023. And then I'm thinking yes. of just just hopping over to Ghana. And yes. going to Afrochella. And I know they also do Afro Nation as well. So, yeah, yes. we're going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> but, um, all right. So, those are all the questions I have for you, Ebony. You know, once again, thank you so much. This has been so great. Like I said, enough gems were dropped. Um, But, yeah, <laughs> before I let you go, you know, go ahead and just drop your socials. Let people know how they can find you, work with you, connect with you, all that. Okay, amazing. Well, one... Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be here and to just share. And I love your vibe and I love everything that you're doing. So giving you your flowers, huge big ups mm-hmm. to you. Um, and then in terms of social plugs, everybody can follow me on TikTok or Instagram underscore Ebony, E-B-O-N-I dot E-L-L-E. And then if you want to learn more about my services or offerings, you can also head over to my website at ebonyl.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for being on the episode again, Ebony. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right. So with that, we are at the end of this podcast episode. Thank you all for listening to this episode and for getting into my conversation with Ebony all about, you know, recession and how we move and navigate this recession. I know that word recession alone, you know, is, is scary and it brings up sort of like feelings of negativity and doubt and stress for a lot of people. So I hope that if anything, this conversation at least eased some of that. May not have provided all the solutions that you need directly, but I definitely hope it eased some of the nerves 
And as always, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to connect with us at BWDIK Podcast or connect directly with Ebony as well. Her information will be in this episode description. Make sure that you are, you know, interacting with us on our socials at BWDIK Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok. As always, drink your water, mind your business. And let me just add, have a wonderful, 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 safe holiday period. And I'll talk to you all in the new year. Bye for now. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.